Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. This is Your Money. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How irritating has Thursday been so far for you? Well, it's been pretty okay. Oh. How has it been for you this morning? Extremely irritating. What's going on? Extremely irritating. I'll tell you about it off. <laughs> I declare today... Irritation Thursday. All right, let's start this morning with corporate earnings and brokerage Charles Schwab. It is reporting a decline in new assets as well as a 50% drop in fourth quarter profits. Now, as bad as that sounds, Charles Schwab's earnings numbers are still coming in above expectations. Uh, 2023 was one of the most turbulent years in the five-decade-plus history of Charles Schwab. Why did it have such a rough year? Yeah, so you had a pretty rough year, just like pretty much every other bank in the US. And we had a pretty rough year because of a couple of things. You had the SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, and Central Bank issues, US regional banks, in effect, going through a hard time. So you had a crisis of confidence to some extent. And that saw people trying to find new homes for their deposits, including newer products or higher yielding products. You know, moving away from mm. deposits to... Some, for example, market money funds or other things that might pay out more. So that was one of the reasons why bank deposits under Charles Schwab dropped 21% last year. And net new assets fell 48%. So all in, it also saw declines in profits. And you had what they describe as a tumultuous year of interest rate hikes, which hit the balance sheet. So this is something they had I suppose in terms of headwinds last year, going to this year, maybe be, it might be better. But last year, not so great for Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab CEO Walt Bettinger telling investors during an earnings call that this is the most challenging time for the company. Has been since the internet bubble burst in 2000. Shares of the brokerage house fell 1.3% overnight. US Bank Corp also reported weaker than expected earnings. Its shares fell nearly 1.5% overnight. Next up, let's turn to deal making. Yesterday on the show, we talked about a pretty big tech merger, the 35 billion US dollar tie up between Synopsys and Ansys. And we asked whether this deal could be a sign that the 2023 slump in mergers and acquisitions has come to a close. Ryan, you pointed out that there were some positive signs of a rebound in M&A activity during the fourth quarter of the year. Well, we have another potentially positive sign this morning. This time from J.P. Morgan Chase. It is hiring. What's the latest here? Yeah, and this is pretty good news. If you look at, I suppose, a bright spot in the banking sector, J.P. Morgan Chase looking to hire. And this comes from... Uh, an interview from its president, Daniel Pinto. And this was with Bloomberg at Davos. And he's outlining how the bank is seeing lots of opportunities for growth. And bear in mind, this is the biggest US bank and it's seeing opportunities to grow even bigger. And it is also in contrast to the rest of the banking industry. If you've been following the headlines, you've got the likes of, for example, Citigroup cutting back. Other banks also cutting back, whereas JP Morgan is trying to grow. So it's quite encouraging that it sees growth opportunities in terms of deal-making, for example. That's mm. picking up for sure. Uh, it's not just JP Morgan, but for other banks as well. So in the recent earnings calls, um, that was pretty reflected 
in some of the commentary we've been hearing from many banks. So that's going to be one of the growth engines for JP Morgan. And it is trying to build on what is already its most profitable year in its banking history. So it is looking at even bigger growth this year. We turn now to the intersection of the worlds of banking and cybersecurity. In today's world, thieves don't need a gun to rob a bank. It can all be done online, which is why JP Morgan Chase spends 15 billion US dollars a year to bolster its cyber defenses. Want to guess how many times a day hackers attempt to infiltrate JP Morgan systems? I'll make it multiple choice. A is 4 million, B is 40 million, and C is 45 billion. <sighs> Think about it. How many times did hackers attempt to infiltrate JP Morgan's systems? Any guesses, Ryan? I was actually <laughs> thinking it might be something that might come on my hand. But <laughs> I oh, don't really? many hands. Okay. The answer is 45 billion. Whoa. Yeah, that's according to Mary Callahan Erdos, the head of JP Morgan's Asset and Wealth Management Division. And she revealed that number during a panel discussion at the WEF Forum in Davos. I can't even wrap my head around 45 billion. I mean, I know computers are making these attacks, but 45 billion times a day. That's about half a million hacking attempts every second. And so no wonder JP Morgan has to spend so much on cyber defense. Are you defended cyberly at home? I should look into it right now. $45 billion, I'm sure, for consumers. Uh, it is going to be something important for them to keep in mind as well. Not just cyber attacks, but also scams and yeah. everything else you might need to worry about. Yeah, today somebody just asked me for my credit card details and, and the security code and everything over WhatsApp. I mean, this is a real transaction, but, you know... It creeps up on you. How safe is it just giving out these details of a WhatsApp? Yeah, and I've also noticed recently I've been getting a lot of uh, credit card transactions that have not been done by me. So I've always wondered, how do these guys get my credit card numbers to do all these... What do you um, mean? How did you catch that on your statement? So I woke up one morning mm. and I found that there were 30 transactions done <gasps> on my credit card on Google Play. For some reason, they managed oh, to buy something on Google's oh, App no. Store. So I woke up trying to figure out what, how did it happen? I didn't give my credit card to anyone and I didn't use this credit online as well. So how did they manage to well, go through the entire transaction? Oh my gosh. So, question marks. Oh gosh. Okay, so there you have it. Your cybersecurity, be careful, note for the morning right here on Your Money. Uh, here's another stat for you. JP Morgan Chase employs more than 60,000 people to help secure its systems. The extent of JP Morgan Chase's hacking woes got me thinking it might be a good time to take a fresh look at cybersecurity stocks. And sure enough, some of them are really having a banner year. These include Palo Alto Networks and CrowdStrike. Why are these two counters showing up on so many any investor watch list? Yeah, it's pretty easy to say cybersecurity, but it's quite a big space. Which stocks do you buy? And you pointed out a couple of um, attractive names. And these are pretty much some of the leading players in the space. And you have to, I suppose, look at who will be in the game for the long run because this is a space that's constantly evolving. Technologies are always advancing and you have to be able to keep up. Otherwise, you're company and effectively your stock price is not going to keep up. So if you look at Palo Alto, they are one of the more leading players when it comes to firewalls, cloud-based security solutions. And they've also won some awards recently. And this is 
putting them in a pretty good light. For example, they were recognized as the leader in the 2023 Gartner Magic Quadrant for endpoint protection platforms. Mm-mm. So you've got some of the, I guess, peer recognition in a sense, making it attractive and it's also being reflected in the stock price. The Palo Alto stock is up by over 13% in the past five trading days. And CrowdStrike is another leading cybersecurity technology platform and it's got advanced AI stuff to help it detect and respond to cyber threats. So very effective and important when it comes to protecting against malware attacks, ransomware. And of course, they have a lot of government contracts as well. So quite useful to track these two stocks to see if they've got a good opening point for you to look at. So shares of CrowdStrike up about... 6 plus percent in the past 5 trading days. So Palo Alto Network is up more than 10% since the start of the year. Uh, CrowdStrike not far behind. If we take a slightly longer term view of these stocks, Palo Alto's share price, Palo Alto Networks, by the way, the share price has more than doubled over the past year. CrowdStrike is up 170%. And if you had listened to your money back in 2018, 2019, um, you would have listened and heard a series of shows that we did on CrowdStrike, somebody actually speaking to CrowdStrike management and sharing with us his views on the company. If you are looking to diversify or broaden your cybersecurity portfolio, here are a number of ETFs that focus on the sector. They have really creative ticker symbols like BUG, B-U-G, and IHAC, I-H-A-K. The research platform Zacks likes BUG. The full name actually is the Global X Cybersecurity ETF. Its trading price has jumped nearly 30% over the past three months. I wonder if there are any cybersecurity ETFs that have caught your eye, Ryan. Yeah, I think this is pretty handy. You don't have to pick any particular company, especially if you are you know, drowning in all the technology jargon, what they do and whatnot. So mm. just get a basket of some of the more important guys. And you've got what is BUG or BUG. It's a basket of some of the leading players like CrowdStrike, like Zscaler, Palo Alto, Checkpoint, Trend Micro, Fortinet, CyberArk. Now, a lot of the big names... So very easy to invest in ETFs. And if you look at the GX cybersecurity ETF or codename BOG, it's just hit a 52-week high recently. So just a sign of how much interest and momentum is playing out in this space. I want to turn to China now because Beijing is giving investors a double dose of bad news. Adding to my irritation Thursday, the Chinese economy is growing at its slowest pace in decades and China's population is shrinking. Let's take each of these in turn, starting with China's economic growth. It's clocked in at 5.2% for 2023. That is significantly better than a year earlier when COVID zero restrictions were still in place. But it's still a far cry from the post-COVID bounce that investors we're hoping for. Why is it, do you think, that China's economy has just not enjoyed a strong resurgence? Yeah, for the numbers, it is a bit patchy, a bit glass half full, half empty. So it did come in at 5.2% for the fourth quarter, which was also the mark 5.2% for the full year. The government was aiming for 5%. So in that sense, they did hit the target, but the wider and this community was expecting a bit more, 5.3%. So it missed expectations. And a couple of things weighing on, I suppose, performance. You've got, of course, the property sector hasn't been rebounding yet. And that ties into a lot of things. Confidence in the rest of the economy. And, of course, the youth unemployment picture. No, you just have so much weighing down on sentiment that you don't have enough 
of an, I suppose, acceleration when it comes to the rebound yet. So the government has to figure out when it needs to pump in more stimulus to start to kickstart things. Yeah, that's it. High debts and the property market crisis definitely weighing on China's economy. On top of that, there are demographic challenges. For the second straight year, China's population has decreased. Beijing has been trying to encourage Chinese to have more babies, but... The incentives certainly do not appear to be working, do they, Ryan? Yeah, it does not. And it ties in again to confidence, right? If you've got no job, no prospects of higher pay, so many things to worry about, would you be confident about having a baby? You know, mm. The baby-making mood probably will not be there as much. And that's why we saw some numbers pointing to the Chinese population declining for a second straight year. So not great news if you're a policymaker because it means your younger part of the population or the demographics becomes smaller, mm-hmm. your older part becomes older and it becomes an aging population problem where you've got a bit of a strain when it comes to supporting the elderly, when it comes to healthcare costs and then a drop in tax revenue in time to come. So it's going to be a ticking time bomb if they don't fix it. So it's something they have to address. Mm. And it is pretty much all the problems you've been outlining. Youth unemployment is going to be one of the big things they have to take off the list. And hopefully they can figure out how to revive the property sector, which is still in the doldrums. So China's economy is not as growing as fast as people had hoped. Its population is on the decline despite efforts to promote bigger families. So how are Chinese equities doing? Well, the CSI 300 is down about 6% since the start of the year. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index doing even worse. It is off 10% over the past fortnight. Let's check in now on US markets. Tech shares coming under pressure as investors re-evaluate the likelihood of a March rates cut. Many analysts now think the Fed will maintain interest rates at their current level until at least May. The Nasdaq fell 0.6% overnight. The S&P 500 was not far behind and the Dow finished down a quarter percent. Time for corporate news and it is up or down time. Let me climb on my seesaw. Let's start with Fujitsu. All right. This has been a story been tracking for a good part of the week and it is a down for Fujitsu I suppose you could say it is a slight up because they are coming up with a olive branch of sorts saying, mm-hmm. hey guys, I'm sorry, I will compensate for my bad stuff I've done in the past, which is pretty much what we've been talking about. That huge scandal where their accounting software did not work and the bosses believed that the software was correct and then sent hundreds of postal workers to be wrongfully convicted. Well, they have come out to say, hey, we have a moral obligation to compensate these victims. No details yet how much, but at least it's a step in that direction. I suppose they have to do something because they are still a huge vendor for the British government. And if they want to be in the good books for time to come and still have government contracts, they have to do something. So Fujitsu's top person in Europe saying the company has a moral obligation to compensate the victims. Let's see how they walk that talk. Investors sold off on the news. Fujitsu shares fell 4%. So investors showing what they think with their feet. Airbus versus Boeing is next. All right. One is up, one is down, I suppose. Airbus up because it is widening its lead over Boeing. So this is for the year... 
2023, so for the fifth straight year, Airbus delivered more aircraft and landed more orders. Even though both companies improved, Airbus did much better. So you have, for example, Airbus net orders 2,094, delivering 735. Boeing only delivered 528 on orders of over 1,300. Yeah, if you've been following the news, this might seem obvious. Just last week, a piece of Boeing 737's MAX fell off a plane, leaving a hole in the fuselage, uh, forcing a harrowing emergency landing, clearly a down for Boeing. But more than that, Airbus delivered more planes and secured more orders than Boeing in 2023 for the fifth straight year. So definitely an up for Airbus. Let's look at Apple now. These rulings change all the time. Yeah, so it's on again, off again, and it's on again. The ban is back. So you might be following the entire series of events where Apple was banned because they had a patent dispute with Massimo, which is the some owner of the patents behind the blood oxygen sensor. So they managed to appeal at first to say, hey, we'll redesign it to some extent so that we don't use the patent. Well, they managed to get some reprieve with that lifting and then they got banned again because the Federal Appeals Court, uh, or at least the latest court decision, says no, we got to respect the prior decision and it's back on again to, well, being banned. So tough. For Apple, they can't sell it in the US. That's it. So a US court has ruled Apple must stop selling smartwatches that have this blood oxygen feature. It's all part of a patent infringement case, which could take a year or more to play out in courts. In the meantime, this means Apple cannot import or sell its Series 9 and Ultra 2 smartwatches in the US. That is a down for Apple for me. Let's look at AEM. Okay, AEM is a down and it is one for the books because of a very intriguing error. So on Sunday, AEM, the semiconductor equipment maker, came out to say, hey guys, we are sorry because we did something like a, a, a mistake of sorts in our accounting. Mm. And it was a human error in their data entry, mm-hmm. which resulted in a shortfall of report inventories of around 5 to 7%. So a human error probably someone who typed in something wrong in the Excel sheet or something to that effect resulted in a shortfall of 5 to 7%. It's quite significant. So it has many implications. One is, what's going on? How did a company like AEM let that happen? And this is pretty much the question some of the brokers have been asking. So the likes of Maybank Securities has decided to downgrade AEM to hold from buy and target price lower to 326 from 376. UOB KHAN also on that page, they've downgraded AEM. So you've got, I guess, questions being asked about the operational effectiveness of what's um, going on behind the scenes at AEM. So AEM has taken a bit of a reputational hit. It's about human error and data entry, which is why taking care of your people at work matters so much. Let's look at Thompson Medical Group. Okay, so I suppose this is a story of if you don't succeed, try again and again. And finally, I think it's third time lucky. So they have managed to finally successfully appeal to extend that deadline to restore their public float. So some months ago, the public float dropped below 10%, which is required. You need to be having your float above 10% to be listed 
Otherwise, you've got to take it off the exchange. Mm. So this was back in September. So they had to appeal again and again. Finally, they've managed to get an extension from SGX until the 10th of April to restore their public float. They've done it. So we talked about this recently, right? How Thomson Medical's public float dipped below 10%, which violates SGX rules. Uh, we have a deadline for Thomson Medical to rectify the situation or face a trading suspension. And um, it's gone and done it, right? Successfully appealed to the SGX for an extension of three months. That is until April 10th to restore the public float. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Michelle. This is Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.